Something I found outside in the shed. Let's dust it off and see what it sounds like. Ima ki iten no wa Uncle Reed no podcast. Minna bri bri de tanosin de ikimashou. But it wasn't until I arrived in Nagano Ken. That I really understood how fabulous Japan was for a land of weed. And you know, it had been had bits and pieces here and there. Friends coming out back from Osaka with a piece of hash purchased from Iranians by the train station. Or someone's getting a little bit of grass shipped here and there. My buddy sent me a big old nug shipped in a Grateful Dead tape case that I didn't realize was there for months. And you can get along. But then I arrived in Nagano. And Nagano, by a strange set of happenstance, third hand friends, a、uh, broken down engine and poor directions. We ended up making friends with a tremendous counterculture, subculture of Japan that I wouldn't have ever guessed existed. There's people here who, had, a lot of them had grown up in the city and even through the 60s and 70s, and went through, when Japan went through a countercultural reformation, as it were, of, of its own. And they packed up over the years and went and found these old villages up in the hills. That no one had lived in for years. You see, during the、uh, Japanese imperial period, between world, you know, from before World War I until the end of World War II,、uh, all these young Japanese were going off to war, right? And a lot of them would either die or become career in the military where they're always stationed elsewhere, or、um, come back and have some disability or something, right? And、uh, especially these,、uh, these farm kids who weren't the Officers in the military, to say the least. And they would come from these little tiny villages that even now are connected by dirt roads. You'll totally get snowed in and, and socked in for weeks at a time through the winter. And,、uh, and they were living there through hundreds of years. You know, this.、Uh, anyway, so people just wouldn't come back to these villages, right? So these villages were pretty much just poised to go into extinction, as it were. And、uh, you'd end up with these villages with half a dozen old people.、Um, With 20 miles away from any kind of services. So the prefectural government began to move the people down to the、uh, closer into the towns and made basically some senior citizen housing. And, but the Japan,、uh, especially the, in Japan, especially the country folk, the mountain folk, have a lot of ties to their ancestral heritage, right? And the Shinto belief, the、uh, cultish type religion, as it were. Um, really has a lot of revering for the, for the ancestors. And as such, there's graves all around these villages, and、uh, people leave offerings to the,、uh, the deceased ancestors on the graves in form of、uh, mandarin oranges,、uh, little uh, uh, paper boxes of sake,、uh, broken pottery chards, all kinds of stuff, right? So you're traipsing through these hills and thinking about all this history, but these people were moved away, and the oldest child in the family is supposed to take care of business after the folks die, right? Supposed to sort of take over the routine and make sure everything's kept after. 
So in some cases, it'll be someone who owns the land, like an ans- uh, descendant that owns the land, um, who comes up from time to time, sometimes gathering mushrooms, sometimes just to visit the graves and clean up the graves, which is really important. But anyway, people move up in these hills and basically s- squat uh, and sort of revitalize these little villages. And even when I was there in the 90s, you know, there was, they're living a rather primitive frontier-like lifestyle and right in the heart of Japan. So it's fascinating to see. But anyway, so there we were, there I was, Nagano Ken. And I could tell right away we were in a really neat area. And we, uh, as we started to meet the folks and everything, and uh, there was a community center there, uh, like an arts and crafts kind of center. I don't mean just like some rec center where they go and do weaving or something, right? Like an old school that was turned into sort of this uh, traditional crafts revitalization thing. But then there was the big festival. The TP started rolling in, and it was an old abandoned ski hill, and it was um, harvest season, so it was no snow. And it had been like a kid's ski area, like learn to ski area. And they had now turned it into, uh, used it for a festival. And during the day, sure enough, there's undercover cops there, but they were totally obvious to see because all the, everyone was all freaking. There's a few hundred people there, three, five hundred people maybe. Uh, so it's fantastic, right? Teepees and buses and folks rolling in from all over. And, uh, but then the nine to five cops left. And everyone just started partying down, and it was just like being, you know, up in the Kootenays or, uh, you know, any kind of other good living, you know, thrown back, kicked back place where you're high up in the mountains, the crisp mountain air. Oh my goodness, surrounded by good people, drum circles, and then the big old fatties being passed around. And what I came to learn is a lot of the ganja is either grown there in Nagano. Uh, in these backcountry things, because you'll be up in this cabin, and you're looking around in every direction. All you can see is trees, and that's certainly not what I thought when I went to Japan, you know. And it's really nestled in and really tight, so it's a great uh, place to put in little stands here and there, nestle them in, and uh, it's fairly, you know, the climate's great for it. It's a traditional place where they used to grow it. In fact, there's the town of Miyasa, the town of Miyasa, which means beautiful hemp and has a big ganja leaf loud and proud on the uh, on the cover of the town brochure but anyway so the festival pass around the big doobies the drums are beating and I could be anywhere then we uh, find a friend with a cabin and we're hanging out and he starts telling me about where the weed comes from and he's like Hokkaido and I'm like wow and he starts telling me they go up and harvest the wild weed and bring it home in their trunks, right? And I was like, one, anything that's grown wild is going to be shitty. And two, that's just a huge security risk to go up there and do it in, you know, doesn't everyone know this and doesn't everyone do it? And, uh, but I learned that indeed people do do this. And uh, first of all, we uh, smoked some of the, the kind weed and uh, got completely wrecked. The teepee spinning all around me. Didn't know where I was. Was I back in some uh, northwest uh, mountainscape 
with the uh, ghosts of the indigenous Tlingits, or was I getting vibes from the ancient samurai, or the mountain people, whichever. So then the wise traveler, instead of heading back to the Pacific coast, will cruise down the Sea of Japan coast. Now, why is that? Well, it's a lot more remote. You're going to see all kinds of crazier scenery. And there's even uh, a, a nuclear plant over there. And uh, so it's, you're going to see all sorts of interesting scenery. But it really gets good once you get down to the Sanin coast, they call it, which is uh, through Totoriken. And it's famous for big sand dunes. And there's some decent surf there, and it's totally empty, huge, massive sand dune beaches. And uh, so if you're a kite flyer, or want to ride a camel, or just want an easy place to camp, camp all along the beaches there, and never have a problem. Now, you don't want to ask people, can I camp here? It's like, can I pitch a tent here? Because, uh, um... You know, camping, it's like the big load up the, the van and get all the gear out and really settle in, you know, have the big bonfire. So you don't want them to get that idea. The Japanese don't do a lot of things just kind of solo and independent. But if you take the uh, approach that you're uh, on some specific mission, you know, your pilgrims or your surfers, it's going to, people are, will, you'll find people who are into the same thing that will help you along. But you've got to be into something. Pick something pick something easy when you're hitchhiking though you're going to be using the other side of the road and your other thumb smile big and find find a Japanese friend who can write the name of the place that you're going to in kanji if not you can write it in ABCs but um, people will sometimes be embarrassed to pick you up because they feel like they need to be able to speak English to help you and so uh, learn 10 words and it's going to go a long way for you so, once you're down uh, in Totori, checking that out, if you go down a little bit further south, you can catch the ferry over to Korea. And down there on that neck of Shimonoseki is the closest place to Korea, and if you were to throw a stick in from Korea, that's probably where it'd end up. And, um, and that's evidence of, there's some cave paintings down there from the Jomon, BC Jomon period that uh, uh, look like weed leaves to me, so... That's maybe the origins of where how cannabis originally came to Japan. Now, if you're feeling tropically minded, you can keep on heading south, all the way down to Okinawa, which is a whole other culture. Or, to keep it short and tight, um, head on over to Shikoku. So take a train over to Okayama, which is famous for great art galleries. It's got some of the best collections of Western art in the world right there. And, uh, and also try their fantastic milk there in Okayama. Holy smokes. And then uh, take a ferry, or the uh, if you happen to have a car, there's this amazing bridge that goes all the way over there, 
or you take a night ferry, which is the site of the 88 sacred sites, which is uh, various temples and shrines dedicated to various whatnots, and there's 88 of them, and the, the uh, kind of the tradition of the Camino de Real, the Santiago to Santiago, the road to Santiago, um, good pilgrims go around there, and if they need something special, they visit all the places. Traditionally, they do it with a staff and sh- with shells on it, and the white, uh, the white, whatchamacallit, it's white kind of cloaks, and they call it Mohindosan. And so there's a lot of travelers down around through there, because there's also surf culture and then these traveling pilgrims. But bear in mind, this is, you know, some, the most remote of the Japan's four main islands. But it's remote enough where, uh, and the land's cheap, where a lot of people it, hop down there to kind of live the low-key, easy-going surfer lifestyle, because the land's a lot cheaper than the other, where the other good surf breaks are in Japan. So that being said, um, you can skid around and have yourself some fun down through Shikoku, and that's where the famous um, emperor's hemp field was. You see, the emperor needed to have hemp clothes as part of his coronation procedure, and so a village down there took it upon themselves to keep a secret batch of hemp there for whenever the um, emperor needed to switch off in defiance of the MacArthur Torishima Ho, time of Torishima Ho, that's the Cannabis Control Act that was put in after World War II. And so see if you can't go find that uh, plot of cannabis there. I dare you, send me a photo. Now make your way back to the airport and be careful and make sure you're cleaned up for getting back on the plane because when you leave Japan, you actually go through the Japanese customs again and pay this kind of ridiculous uh, ex- uh, airport exit-, exit tax. So bear that in mind. Now if you're lucky enough to head up to Hokkaido, suggest taking the train the whole way up and getting yourself comfortable. You'll meet a lot of fun people on the train, which is half the reason for you doing this. You're not going to be filling up a trunk full of weed. You're just going there to see what you can find, right? And uh, having some friends up there will kind of help you get going. Now, there's significant police risk up there, and the cops are more and more tuned in. But from what I hear from people, they're always just staying one step ahead of where they're at. And there's so much of it and so few police that there's always something for the cunning uh, scavenger to go find. You've been shooting along with Uncle Lee and Wild Hypes. calculated approach to spontaneous activity and what I mean by that is you have to be uh, put yourself in the right situation in the right disposition in order to meet the contacts and meet the friends but if you got some Japanese friends before you go there geez get to know them because that will help a lot wander on over to chugalon.com it's ideal for ramblers. So the weed's seedy, but it's sticky. 